Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking that dinner or cutting the grass, which you could turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. Kings 17. So we're talking about the old covenant, not the gospels when Christ came, but the actual old covenant. The gospel is the transitioning. The gospel is the transitioning from the old covenant to the new covenant, revealing uh, how the two connect. The gospel is kind of like a bridge because really it's what Jesus became the way, right? He's the way, the truth, life. So now we come through him. The old covenant, you came in because of the prophets and because of where you were born and that you were an uh, Israelite. Amen? And so he's transitioning. So the Gospels is like the bridge into the new covenant. Amen? And you got to go through Christ to get there. Amen? So, um, so we're going to go now and look at just one example of when, when did they raise the dead in the old covenant? If anyone knows of places where they raised the dead in the Bible that aren't your typical ones that we know about, just um, write that down or, or send it to me on Messenger or something so I can look all them up. Okay, and Elijah, the Tishbite of Gilead, is that right, Gilead, said to Ahab, as Jehovah the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be no dew nor rain these years except according to my word. And the word of the Lord came to him saying, go away from here and you shall turn eastward and shall hide by Cherith, that is before the Jordan, and it shall be, you shall drink of the Tarth, and I shall command the ravens to feed you there. And it shall be, you shall drink, um, and I shall command the ravens to feed you there. Okay, first of all, let's look at the way Elijah obeys God. Now, most of us don't even want to, we're not going to want to leave our refrigerators to go hide somewhere and God bring a bird to feed us. Amen. Well, God wasn't as concerned with Elijah's comfort as the American Christians are with ours, including myself. Amen? But I want you to see who God could entrust to raise the dead and why he did it. All right? So, so now see this. So you have, you have Elijah, and um, God's taking care of him. All right. He said he'll give him a place to drink, and he'll command the ravens, to feed you there. And he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and lived by Kareth, that is right before the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and, f and food in the morning, and bread and food in the evening, and he drank of the torrent, or the water there. It happened after a while that the water dried up, because there was no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Rise up, go to Zarephath, that belongs to Sidon, and Sidon, and you shall live there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. All right. So God is giving him what? Extremely specific instructions. So how many know that we, as we grow in God, we got to start hearing him? Not the devil, not counterfeits. How do you know if it's really him? There's real fruit, and it's not just in your thinking. When the fruit is in your own thinking, 
and it's not real, that's deception. All right. He rose up and went and came into the entrance of the city. And behold, a widow woman was gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring to me a little water in a vessel and I shall drink. She went to bring it. And he called her and said, please bring me a bit of bread in your hand. Now, I want you to see this woman's heart. Okay. This woman's heart. She's having a really rough time. Okay. She's a widow. And you'll find out in a minute she's about to die. There's no food or anything. She's, she's, no, she's going to watch her own son die. God's not answering them. There's this famine. They don't know what to do. And here comes this man and wants her to give him some water. And she has a servant heart, doesn't she? She, has a, she stops everything and gives him the water. And then he goes on and says, could you bring me a bit of bread in your hand? Bring me some food. All right. And she says, as the Lord your God lives. So she knew he was a prophet probably. She knew he was a godly man or she wouldn't have said as, as your God lives. So she says, as, your, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have a cake. I only have a handful of meal in a pitcher and a little bit of oil in a jar. And I'm gathering these two sticks. I'm going to go in and prepare for myself and my son. We shall eat it and die. Okay, so... This is kind of cool because here's this woman who doesn't have faith. She's talking to a prophet and she knows, I don't know if she knows he's a prophet. I think she does, but she knows he's a holy man and she's not asking him to help her. She's not even having great faith build up because this man shows up. So what was God impressed with, with this woman? That even though she wasn't expecting anything from this man, she wasn't trying to get him to do anything for her. She served him. So what is the first thing that we need to have built up, people? Really faith, not fear. How do you get that kind of faith? You get it in the everyday walking out kind of thing. How do you know? Well, how did David had faith he could take down Goliath? He first cured, he, he was bragging about killing the bear and killing the lion. And he knew it was holy. He knew it was God who helped him do that. Amen. So quit. Don't despise your, you've got to overcome now. Okay. You have to overcome the little things and then you'll have to overcome even bigger things. And then you'll have to overcome even bigger things to move into big faith. Amen. And think of it like, what is it? Like a muscle, um, you don't go, hopefully, unless you're me, and then you hurt yourself, and then you got to pray and everything. Donna's always, my sister's always like, don't, just don't start doing everything so much. Just build up to it. And I'm sure Ricardo could tell us, you know, you don't go and pick up the biggest weight possible and just start doing something. You build it up, okay? God wants to increase our faith, amen? The minute to yell for increase of faith is not when you're in a really hard situation, amen? That's not the time to cry out for yield for increased faith, amen? So I could talk with you and find out your testimonies and what you've been through, and I could tell you if you've been at all yielding to God to increase your faith. That's why you count it all joy. So some of you have gone through some things to increase your faith, Raise your hand if you went through things and increased your faith. Amen? Okay, so count that joy. The things you overcame, those are where you're ready for bigger things to overcome. The places where the devil kicked 
you're behind or areas that you know to go get before God and say, why did I not win that? What happened? Did I, where did I get out of your will? Did I get into pride? What was I supposed to be doing that I wasn't doing? How was I supposed to get stronger in you? God will never, God wants to lead you. Holy Spirit wants to lead you, right? He's not going to lead you into something that you can't win. Satan will push you there. Amen. Pride will take you there. Amen. So, so we want to really get to that place where I want to be led by the Spirit of God. We have God in us, the hope of glory. Amen. He is supposed to lead us. He's supposed to lead everything. He's supposed to lead you where to be, when to be there. And we need to become, we have to learn to become the people who say yes. No matter what the weather is outside, if he says be there, no matter what your schedule looks like, if he says do that, I think we're going to be amazed when we get to heaven and find out how much easier it could have been had we let God be in charge instead of our schedules. Amen? Everybody waiting. If you don't need faith, then you're doing it. This is like the sixth, time, seventh or eighth time he's had me say this. So he's getting this in the atmosphere. This building is going to become a thrift store. That little part over there is going to become a outreach community center. And we're taking beauty for ashes, whatever he's, some of you, that will be your church. Some of you, he will, this will be your church, but it's going to be, it's going to be an outreach kind of church. Some of you've been here for that. That's where your heart is. You have no desire to go to whatever he's sending us next. I don't know what it's going to be. It's going to be bigger than this. And it's going to be for training and equipping. I'm praying it's not going to be a fancy looking church, but I don't know. Why am I telling you this? Because this is what I did not want to do at all. Do I know when? No. I don't know when. Is it from selfish ambition? I guarantee you not. Amen? But he, he has chosen because of the prayers of the people here and because of the heart of the people here to give them a place to minister here what he calls church. Because in the natural, I would sell this for a little over a million dollars for a down payment for what he's calling us to go do next. Amen? And so why am I saying this? Because he just put it in my spirit all week and he's making me say it. So start talking to friends and talk out the faith. When we were doing the conference or the retreat, whatever we had, it was powerful. All I can say, it was nonstop God. That's all I can say. I can't, I, I, it would take me so long to explain all that happened and you still wouldn't get it. All I can say, if God tells you to go to one, you need to go to one. And guys, let's all mature. Let me, I will say this, I'm not boasting I don't want to boast on Caleb and then he have to get the behind me Satan speech from Holy Spirit. So, um, so just know that you can do something really awesome in God and be totally messed up five minutes later. Amen. So we're not this. So when God says this to encourage, but when Caleb, remember last Sunday morning, the Lord had me share. I needed, I would like for a man to come and help me do a deliverance with this man that I didn't know that well, who had done something violent. So I really personally didn't want to be there without a guy uh, to help and, um, or whatever. So, and Caleb right away said, I'll do it. Didn't ask for money. Didn't ask for anything. Just, we scheduled it out. So anyway, we'll get the whole thing. We got there and, um, 
That was good. It's different because people don't know this kind of ministry. They don't know me that well. They haven't heard that much teaching. So I try to jump right in. I know I only have a few hours. So anyway, so we finally got to the place where the person realized maybe this spirit of violence, a very nice person, what, maybe, maybe, because they believe like the assembly of gods that you can't have demons in you, so it has to be out of you and all this stuff. I'm thinking if it causes you to hit your wife in the face, who cares where it is? Obviously, out there, it's going to have a hard time pulling your hand, and <laughs> it'd be a lot easier to be in there using you as a glove, amen? But anyway, that, this is just wrong doctrine in the church. So, but I'm going to sit there and argue doctrine, so I'm like, whatever. So we're getting ready to do the deliverance. I'm not sure it's going to happen because of the back and forth stuff with this. But anyway, so we're there, and as soon as we lay hands on him, and believe me, I didn't have high faith for this just because of the conversation we had before it. But the minute I laid hands on him, the Holy Spirit let me really see his heart and his life and what he'd been through, and we began to heal the brokenhearted places. And everybody was kind of crying. Isn't it true, Caleb? When you really experience that, don't you fall in love with the people? Like, like you don't even leave going, oh, can you believe he did that? You leave going, wow. God sees us the way we really are. God is amazing. So anyways, we're doing this. So then I did this inner healing and I saw this little demon and, 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 um, and I'm trying to get out, but I can't see for sure if it came out because the guy's not really manifesting like that or anything. And then Caleb, all of a sudden, I'd never seen Caleb like this. I'm like, whoa, the Holy Spirit came over Caleb. I mean, came up out of Caleb. And he was like, and he's very kind, Miss Cindy, you know, I, I see this. I said, well, say what you see. And he, he described the demon that he saw. And I'm going, the reason I'm saying, is it in him or out of him? Because number one, I want him to hear if it's in him because to bust his doctrine. But I don't know because we just did inner healing. I wasn't sure if it came out yet. You know what I mean? Because sometimes I'll see d demons will be in, in the room or something. And he's like, so he describes, no, it's in his brain and where it's at. And all of a sudden, without me saying a word, the Holy Spirit came and came and goes, in the name of Jesus, come out. Man, the, I was like, I had to like open my eyes like, wow, Caleb, the power of God to do deliverance was so cool in there. It wasn't a cool feeling. Doesn't it change you? It makes you want to do ministry, not hidden knowledge, thinking ministry, but Holy Spirit, do this thing ministry. And the guy was crying, he got free. They're still free. free. It's just, I'm just saying that. And it came suddenly, amen? It came suddenly. And a lot of you have been being trained up for years and it's going to come suddenly, but you're going to have to step out in faith and you're going to have to get out of your comfort zones. Amen. That's the worst thing about America. If, oh, if I can work it in, oh, if I, no, I'm not even talking, I'm talking about ministry now. I'm not even talking about come and help out with, with, with something that everybody just needs to do their part. Amen. I'm talking about start to minister. And so anyway, and so in that whole, the whole retreat was so much, but at one point, Linda shared, and she's going to share on Tuesday night, but she just shared this vision, and it was God. She stood up, but the vision wasn't God. The heart he gave her was him, but this vision to have a big building and house homeless people and have like a medical clinic in the bottom and all that kind of thing. So I stop her, and I'm like, and I won't say how old she is, but she's over 50 by a bit, and I said, and she's not physically in great shape yet. She's getting there. I said, do you really think, let's just say she's almost 70. I said, do you really think at 70 you're going to do that? I said, so what has happened for that to happen? She does have a nursing degree. 
nothing. No one's come alongside her financing it. There's no team being put around her. There's no understanding the building permits and what you have to do and how hard it is to do it. Nothing. And the Lord showed me when we were saying this is it's time to bust everybody's uh, American version of a vision and find out what he's calling you to. And so I said to her, well, and we were actually talking about the thrift store thing first. I said, well, could you see yourself um, over in the little community center thing and praying for people and finding out, taking their blood pressure, and if it's high, teaching them about how to get free from high blood pressure and maybe teaching them some eating things. I said, when did God tell us to call in the doctor? How many times did Luke get called as a doctor to come and do something when Christ was ministering? You have something so much more than the medical community has. He didn't put you here to depend on what the world can do without God. Let me say that again. He did not bring us into his kingdom so we would do what the world can do without God. That's all fine until you have some authority and power. Amen? Amen? And the Lord showed me, these are the things he's teaching me that we're going to have to bring to the church, which we did on a Zoom meeting to the Philippines and uh, some ministers there, vision. Huh. Why don't we believe we can have the power? Why don't we hunger? Do you think Holy Spirit's really in there going, well, let's put together a medical team? I think he is if that's all we can do. Could you imagine Jesus going, okay, we need to, can we organize a medical team? I'm not making fun of people who are doing something, amen? I'm saying God's given us vision for what he wants his church to be doing, amen? And not the pretendant that turns everybody off where they'd rather go to a medical facility than to church. How many know you've been healed, seriously healed by something divinely by God? Raise your hand. Okay, why, why don't we take that? Why don't we take that and go stronger with that, amen? But the other thing, uh, the lender then said, yeah, I could really see doing that. I said, so your vision is part of the vision for what he's, what he's doing here. This is not my vision. This has never been my vision. This is God's vision. You don't even want to hear what my vision looked like. It's nothing going to happen like it, Amen. It was more like a celebrity, what everybody thinks the American ministry should look like. Amen? I don't even have any desire for that. Amen? And no one person can have a vision and it be from God unless he's given that same vision to a lot of people to come and do what he wants them to do in it. You need to find out what does he have for you to do and where is your vision. And I'll be honest, if, if your vision's not... If, if your vision's not being some part, and it doesn't mean we're all, there's all different parts, then go find the place where your vision is because he's coming soon and we need to find out where the vision is. Amen? That doesn't mean you have to physically be doing this. It doesn't mean you're not welcome here as you're learning and changing. I'm just saying at some point when God puts his body together for this big thing he's going to do, he's going to have you strategically placed to do what you're supposed to do. Some people that's hospitality, some people that's financing it. He told me um, yesterday, he gave me some scripture about the world treasury and all. He said, he said, I have people right now with millions of dollars who are going to give you everything you need when you need it. You haven't needed it. You needed the faith to know I do it. 
He says, I'm not asking you to believe for that again. You already got the faith for that. Amen? Now I'll just start prophesying it and get where he's also going to bring people to do that. People who like have anointing to go sit down at the um, uh, city and grab codes or whatever. Amen? So don't try to be what you're not called to be. He needs it all. Amen? And don't think this is, I hate it when they say this is a stepping stone. God doesn't have stepping stones. If you got a vision to build, he's not going to change you into a preacher. You might be a building preacher, but overall, you'll just be talking to people about the gospel while you're telling them how to fix this and do that. Amen? Look at what you're really doing and how long you've been doing it. Anybody think I'm not doing anything? You've been lied to. Intercession's powerful. Listening to people's powerful. What has he got you doing? Amen? Anyway, that's so Karen has something to put on the radio. (laughs) All right, here we go back. So here he is with the widow, 1 Kings 17, 11, uh, 12. And she says, as the Lord your God lives, so she knew he was a man of God, I do not have a cake. I don't even have a handful. I only have a handful of meal and a little pitcher, a little bit of oil in a jar. And behold, I am gathering two sticks and will go in and prepare for myself and my son. And we're going to eat it and then we're going to die. That's a great prophecy. I do recommend you don't prophesy over yourself like that. Because there's life and death in your tongue. How powerful is God to still honor this woman because um, she opened her she opened up the little bit she had to a God, to a prophet. For so says the Lord, the God of Israel, the pitcher of meal. Now, so what he does now, he just, this one, I think the others, he just prophesies. The pitcher of meal shall not be consumed. The jar of oil shall not fail until the day that Jehovah sends rain on the land. She went in according to the word of Elijah. She ate, she and her and her household many days. Just a word, your heart right towards God taking correction from an anointed person and then doing what they said brought her, she survived that. She survived that. Okay. I think the part gets down here. And she said to Elijah, okay, no, no. Okay, so this is the right one. Okay. So she had her faith built up, right? She had her faith built up in Elijah being from God, right? Because she was thinking she was going to die. She was already ready to die. She wasn't mad at God. She's just going to go out. And then God heals her son, heals her, or not heals him, keeps him alive. God keeps him alive by a word from Elijah, right? Now comes the big time. So this goes along with what I'm saying. So this is part of the book. You see what I'm saying? He built her faith. He changed her heart. She saw, she saw that Elijah, by her stepping out to help him, now uh, he had a word, one word from this man of God, and she watched then. You know, she probably looked at that picture every day to see, is there still some there? This, you know what I mean? And so that whole season, we don't, I don't know how many years, I'm sure somebody could go study it and find out. But whatever time it was, her faith built every single day, didn't it? Every single day. And hopefully she remained grateful. Hopefully she recognized it was from God. Hopefully she saw God take care of her using this prophet. Amen. And, and, and the prophet went there every day, pouring in bread and oil, right? Amen. Do you see this? 
God puts that together there on purpose. So we just don't think we're going to walk in and have the faith to raise the dead. Now, God can give us his supernatural faith. It's a gift of faith anytime he wants. It's not our faith. It's a supernatural gift of faith that can operate in situations that would be impossible for you to do where you're at. And how cool is that, that God can do that? And it's probably happening because of somebody else's faith or prayers. Amen? There's spiritual laws. That's why we're supposed to preach the kingdom. All right. Then she says, um, and it happened after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became sick. And his illness was very severe until he had no breath left in him. Okay. Just, just a little thing different, and I'll talk about it. God healed my son instantly, a permanent brain, um, liver, and lung damage that should have killed him or left him like a young infant for the rest of his life. God healed it like that. But when the enemy attacked again, it was over a 16 to 20-year journey to see him healed. Amen. So God is like, God's always like, you've got to get to this place in faith. You've got to understand the way of escape. We've got to go. To, Holy Spirit isn't here so, we're, so we look good. And he's not here so everything we ask happens. Guess what? He knows we're not God. I was praying about all this because so many Christians are dying. I mean, in our hospitals, it's unbelievable. Do you know, um, from what I heard, two million people have died. Most of that was not under... Uh, President Trump, but nobody's even telling you how many, why? Other nations are not, even the media and other nations are going, why are so many dying in the U.S.? We need to really yell and scream at our senators and our house reps who are not doing anything. Amen? Amen. And the ones who are, we need to support, financially support, support them with standing behind them, that we have to wake up and do this because they're supposed to represent us. What is going on? What is going on? Amen? But anyway, in this time, people are finding, what's happening? Why? God's requiring more. To him's giving much, much is required. So to someone who's been preaching the word, understands healing, believes in healing, understands this somewhat spiritual laws, these are really hard times when they're being attacked. Amen? And the last thing you want to do is judge it or come against this season they're in. But God looks at the bigger picture. So I was praying, Lord, Lord, how can you stand this? Well, first of all, he knows this is nothing. They're going to be with me forever. I already got the next multi-trillion years of theirs planned out. <laughs> this is nothing. If they're mine, they get here, they're fine. Really fine. Get a heart for people who've died and don't know him. Because it's not fine where they're at. This is the rude awakening. All right. So it says, and it happened after these things that the son of the woman, the, the widow, the mistress of the house, the son became sick and his illness was very severe until he had no breath left in him. So he died. And she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to cause my iniquity to be remembered and to cause my son to die? Now, I want to put this, this, this is... We need to see this. Number one, she recognizes she has iniquity. That's a hit of the church. She had enough to know that because of sin, that her son could die. She didn't have the blood of Christ to take away that sin. See, he didn't just take our sin. He took the iniquity. He took generational sins from not being able to have an impact on us if we understand that. Amen? Amen? 
But what she's saying to him is, look, I know that I can't do anything about this. And I know it's not because God's not right. But why are you still here? She's basically saying, why are you here? And my son's dead. And Elijah didn't preach at her. He didn't scream and yell. He said to her, give me your son. He took him out of his bosom and he caused him to go up into the upper room where he was staying and he laid him on his own bed. And he cried to Jehovah and said, Lord, my God, have you brought evil on this widow with whom I am staying by, by slaying her son? It wasn't until the new covenant that we had a revelation that Satan is allowed to come kill, steal, and destroy. All kinds of horrible, bad things happen to people all the time in the old, before the new covenant. New covenant. In the old covenant, they had to go by certain laws, do certain things, and follow all these things to, to walk in the divine protection of God. Amen? And so we need to reckon, where people say, well, God did it. Well, he, God made everything the way it works. Amen? So when you say, well, God is sovereign. Yes, he is sovereign. But when God says Satan is allowed to kill, steal, and destroy while he's on planet Earth walking around, guess what? Satan can come and kill, steal, and destroy. And you're like, well, why, why is Satan on planet Earth? Because God has a bigger picture. See, animals can live and then just die. But they still got to live, didn't they? They still got to be uh, an enjoyment to God. They still, life is important, amen? Just life by itself is important. And that we have a God who orchestrated things to say, this is what I want. What is God looking for? Let's understand what God is looking for. He's not looking for you to just have a happy, nice life without any problems. Amen? How do you know? He would have done it different. Right? He would have done it different. He actually would have done it like he did at the very beginning when they're in the garden and everything's protected because he's God and nothing can pass his will. And then they fell into sin because they wanted each other more than they wanted God. And then they rebelled against God and listened to the devil. Amen? Well, your stuff is the same way. I won't get into all that to you. You won't have time. But the bottom line is God did give Adam a perfect world. He brought Eve into the picture because Adam wanted Eve. And then Adam made Eve an idol, codependency. And then all the mess happened. Amen? So Jesus came came and put his spirit in us. He wiped away every sin. He basically, in a sense, put you back in the place of the perfect will of God. Amen? And now any sin you do is you. Or stuff you haven't renounced and broken the power of because you have unbelief. Amen? 
You're the only people as the people who know God who walk in that place. So we really have to grow up and say, I'm, I'm not going to have Satan coming around, kill, still, and destroy it anymore. Teach me your ways, O oh God. Destroy the idolatry in my heart. Destroy the stuff that's not of you. Let me build up my most holy faith. Let this not be about what's in my brain. Let this be about what's in my heart that my brain has now agreed with because I renewed my mind. Amen? And what you're watching now is a shaking in our nation and in the church to say what you think you had and you thought you had enough isn't enough. Amen? All right. Is this making sense to anybody? So, now look at the heart of a true minister led by God. So the first thing he did is he grabbed this little boy or young man. It's a young man. I don't know for sure how old. Somebody probably does, but I don't. He grabbed this woman's son. Her husband's already died. And whatever it is, he must be big enough to carry him. It must be big He didn't sound like he, you know, drags him up the stairs. He could have had supernatural strength, though, you know what I'm saying? Whatever it is, he takes this young man, says he puts him to his bosom. So what he does right away is he gets compassion, not for his namesake. Come on, he's already destroyed prophets of Baal. I mean, he knows who he is in God, Amen. He knows who he is in God. He knows he's prophesied before and it happens right away. And he's sitting there and part of it, part of it is like, Lord, I don't want this woman to bury her son. And I, and I won't know for sure what he said, but I would believe he probably did a little bit of the court of heaven things where he's carrying this boy and he's talking to God about it and he's telling God how he feels about it and he's asking God, what can we do? And he knew right away he couldn't do anything until God says he could do something. So he's talking to God about what to do. He's not just going in with a formula from reading somebody else's book or even the Bible. He's asking God, what do I do? He lays him on the bed in the house that he had slept on. And people say, because anointing was there. No, it's because it was the place that he went and met with God when he was at that town. It wasn't some magic thing in his bed. No, I just heard a teaching on that. And they said, anyway. It's because that was the place where he would go and get before God. And what did he do? I've got to get away from this woman speaking death. I've got to get away from this woman putting pressure on me that I have to do it. I have to get away from any accusations against God. I have to get away and I have to hear God. I have to hear God. So he goes, we don't know for how long unless it tells us. He goes to hear God. He puts him on the bed because he only has a little room in the house, you guys. Amen. And, the, and this young man's dead, so it's, where else would you put, you know, what are you going to put him on the f floor? There probably wasn't any room on the floor. Amen? So he puts him on the bed. So he says, give me your son. He took him out of, oh, so he took him from her bosom, and he caused him to go up into the upper room. So this woman had to let go. This woman had to let go and trust this person who knew God. Amen? She had to let go and basically release him to the will of God. Release him into what God would do with this man. Amen? 
And so he takes him upstairs into the upper room where he was staying. He laid him on his own bed. And he cried to Jehovah and said, My God, have you brought, have you allowed this evil on this widow with whom I'm staying by slaying her son? Now, how many know we weren't in on, nobody was in on that conversation? I would guess it was more than a five second conversation. I believe he was seeking the Lord. Why is her son dead? God, as far as she's concerned, you slayed him. Why would you bring me here? Why would you have uh, that miracle to keep him alive all those years, Lord? And then this happened. What happened? What went wrong? What do I do? How do I do this? Amen? I believe with all my heart that there was a conversation. Why? Because that's how it works. Amen? It's not a formula. It's a conversation. And so as he's talking with the Lord and God and him are speaking, he gets revelation from God. And he stretched himself out on the child three times and calls to the Lord and says, Oh, Lord, my God, I pray, let the soul of this boy return to him. So he knew this boy's soul is not in this body. And when I tell you about the first time I tried to raise the dead and I tried to bring it's a, it's a, it's in my book. You can actually go. I'll actually next Sunday probably read that part of the book. Amen. Because that's why I really have an understanding of what I believe was going on with Elijah. And so he called that soul back into that body. And he's talking with God, like God, bring this person. Well, let me say one thing: if you were in heaven now. Remember, if this young man died and they were believers, they were old covenant believers, what would have happened to him? He would go to Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom, from all I can find and heard, in the earth, there was a place where believers of the old covenant would go. And I don't know if they're well, they had to be active there because the guy in there waiting to go to hell, I think his name was, La was it Lazarus? It wasn't the Lazarus, but it was a different Lazarus. He was a rich man and he's looking across and he goes, hey, get him. He used to serve me. Get him to come and bring me some water for my tongue. So obviously they could see who was on the side of this place that before Christ came. See, Christ went there and emptied it out, just so you know. Those were the bodies that came up, those that accepted Christ down there, those who had been waiting for Christ down there, those who had the hearts for Christ. They were the ones who came up out of the graves that were walking around town in the, in the really first resurrection. Amen? And so here were the others. They didn't get to come out. They were eternally damned. And so, so, so for him to call this boy back from the dead how many knows he'd want to come? Because otherwise he's just kind of be on in a, I don't know. I mean, this is where, if you want to, this is where Catholics get purgatory from. This is where they get the idea. After Christ, there is no purgatory. Now they don't know that because I had people at Lauren's funeral paying little money to, and send me little cards that they were praying for her while she was in purgatory. I'm like, Lord, help me. But they were doing all they knew to do with what they believed. Amen. I didn't realize people were that serious about that anymore, but some are. I broke the power of anything like that. I've been trying. Okay. He prayed, let the soul of this boy return to him. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah. Now that's powerful. Okay. Whew. So 
How many know for us to raise the dead or if we tried and it didn't work before? First of all, you have to have a real conversation with God while it's happening. Second of all, you have to have such a good conversation relationship with God that you hear him. He hears you and he actually hears you and he takes into account what you're asking him. It's nothing near a formula. It's nothing near on every time this is going to happen. Every time, we don't know how many times if Elijah did this again, we don't know. But I guarantee you every time it's the same thing. There has to be, first of all, open communication with God where you hear God and he hears you. And you commune and you talk and you talk about the things. Some people call it court of heaven, whatever you want to call it. Amen. And you really have a conversation with God and you hear him. And then he listens to what you're saying. He listens to your reasoning. He's never going to send someone back because there's not enough grace if that person isn't with you. When people get before God in those situations, well, I just need them. Well, that's idolatry. Amen. Now it's okay to say, Lord, I really want this person here. And like I shared last week or two weeks ago, when I, I did do all this when my daughter died, I knew she wasn't in that body. I knew I didn't have faith for this. But I still talked to God about the faith that I did have, and I actually had a conversation with God. And when he said, we're not doing that, I'm so thankful he agreed with her and not me. Could you imagine calling somebody out of a perfect place and a perfectly healed body, completely in a place of what, which is our reward and putting them back in a body that's going to need to be on machines forever and ever or for however long it takes for you to believe? Amen. That's kind of selfish. Amen. I can't imagine anybody who gets into heaven for real unless God makes them leave wanting to leave. I, put it this way. They would already be showing idolatry if they were standing before God and they'd rather come back to you. Amen? They'd, they'd already, actually already be showing you why they probably had to check out early. Amen? That doesn't mean that God can't say there's things to do. You're going back. God talked to Smith Wigglesworth from what people tell in testimonies and his wife died and he went and prayed and he had that kind of life with God in conversation. God made his wife go back and tell him to leave her alone. She came back, came back in the body, said, I'm, I'm going to stay with Jesus. Now just forget it and behave yourself. And there she checked out again. Well, that, that, that really shows you something. It really shows you they don't want to come back. And it really shows you the kind of real faith and relationship that Smith Wigglesworth had that God would say, look, he's not going to leave me alone until you go back and tell him. Amen? So, so she had to go back and tell him. Guess what? She didn't have an idol with him either. The church is so uh, immature in so many ways that they don't even understand these things. And I'm making fun of that. I'm watching people process it and see that I knew that I knew. And of course I had the vision of Lauren, but even before I had the vision of Lauren heaven, I actually really knew she's going to be fine there. I've never, ever felt like anything was stolen from her. I felt like something was stolen. I know something was stolen from me. Amen. It was my trial, not hers. Amen. And Jehovah listened to the voice of the Lord. How cool is that? All right. How do we get to that place? How do we get to that place where we know that God listens to our voice? See, do you see what I'm saying? Everybody wants to be in this big, when there's a desperate situation. I want to know he listens to my voice now. 
because then I'm going to have a lot more believing he's going to listen to my voice then. But it didn't even, that's not even why. I just like him. I like talking to him. I just like talking to him. I like him talking back. I like him showing me things. I like him proving things to me. Amen. Why, why do I want him to prove to me that I'm hearing his voice? Because I don't want to follow another. And way too many Christians are. And I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to, and I won't get into that. I've been deceived before, amen? It's not fun. And Satan deceives you when you won't deal with issues of your heart. And, and the enemy can sound just like God when you decide not to, when, you just, when your heart wants so much to hear something that's going to bring false comfort, amen? And so he shows here that we need to start obeying God. God says, if you love him, you obey him. <laughs> Do you really think God's going to give you a really strong relationship with him if he tells you to do something and you tell him why you can't? God wants to build a relationship with you the minute you get born again. Not wait till there's a tragedy. Not wait till it's such a big deal that you can't handle it. Amen. He wants to do it day by day. Amen. And, I, and I, I just seen some of you really growing and maturing over the last few years. Praise God, right? And you know who I'm talking to. And I guarantee you, if you had to go back, you'd say, man, I would have gone after this sooner. I would, not just because I don't want the bad thing, but because it's awesome to be hearing God and to be heard by God. And here we got ridiculous teachings commanding God to do stuff. Are you kidding me? remember one time I was telling God what to do and the Lord said to me, quit telling me what to do. I said, Lord, that's what somebody said on their, in their book. He said, well, I don't care what they said in their book. I'm God, not you. Quit telling me what to do. Some of the stuff is ridiculous. You can, ha you can talk about the same issue a million times with God and he's not mad and say, now you don't have faith. If you're even thinking about talking about it, you don't have faith. Doesn't change it because you shut up and don't talk about it. If you don't have the faith, you don't have the faith. It's better to talk to him and get the faith. Amen? He's a real God. He likes real relationships. He really wants to hear what you're saying, and then he's going to put it back at you so you can see where you're at. Most people only have to talk a few minutes, and, and when you get in the anointing, you can tell where they're really at. All right. And Jehovah listened to the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the boy returned to him, and he lived. Amen. Elijah took the boy, brought him down from the upper room of the house, gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know this, that you are a man of God and the word of Jehovah is in, of Jehovah is in your mouth is truth. So the response to a miracle should be Jesus Christ is real. And I'm going to say this. If you've had miracles and you continue to let the devil win in your life. You continue to let the devil steal from you. That is really sad. You need to go back and recount what God has done for you and get out of your pity party. Get out of your little isolated way you live your life. Quit trying to just go back to normal and ask God, why are you not hungry to serve him and to know him more when you've seen his hands of miracles? See, he doesn't save people with his miracles. It shows. He come, devil can do false miracles. God's not trying to save you with miracles. But if you see one and if God answers your prayer, then God's looking for a heart like this woman who says, now I know. Now I know. 
I can trust you. Wherever you tell me to do, whatever you want me to do, now I know. Amen? So, Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that a hunger is released in this house right now to hear you and to be heard by you, that every counterfeit thing is strangled and cannot continue to deceive people. By the fruit, you will know it. Love. Love for him, then love for yourself, then love for others. Joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Joy that doesn't matter what the situation is. The enemy cannot touch your joy. The joy of the Lord is where you get real strength, peace, peace that passes understanding. Nobody can understand how you could be standing in such peace in that moment, in that time, looking at that situation. That's a fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. Goodness, kindness, long suffering, and patience. Bible says, test yourself. Evaluate yourself. Break the power of delusion. Some of you think God has done things you were thinking and it wasn't God. It wasn't even really done. Don't just hang out with people who are wounded and hurt and they'll make you feel better about yourself. God wants to reveal himself and bring honor to people who would normally not listen to you at all. But they do. So, Father, cleanse us, deliver us from deception, break deception off of your body, break deception off of the people that in this day we're living in. You said, do not be deceived. So, Lord, the first thing the enemy has released towards the end times is deception. Ho! The way he got a hold of uh, Eve is through deception. The way he got a hold of Adam was through idolatry which we call codependency. So Lord, we come before you and we ask you to help us. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit's saying and close, get, close the mouth of the enemy in our thinking. And Lord, we want to get into that real kind of relationship with you that Elijah had. How much greater because you live in us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You've placed us back into the place that Adam walked where he could hear you. But even greater than that, God, we can hear you because you're in us not just come to us. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, if you love this teaching, and you better say you love this teaching, then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there, and there's a resource uh, library there. And also, check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry. We'd love you to partner with us and come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you.